What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast. We are live at the Memorial Hermann Sports Medicine Update. I'm do- joined by Dr. Angie Curtis. And so her talk today was about overuse injuries. And um, so one of the things that I, I asked her in the hallways, would she just share her story of becoming a doctor? Because when we had Dr. Um, Afedi on, uh, he shared about how he was on a podcast about being the struggles that being a uh, black doctor that he had getting there. And so um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. And I think that's a conversation that's important to have. And with you being a uh, black female doctor, there's even more stuff to, to challenges to overcome. And so I just want to give you a chance to share your story and, you know, we'll just walk through that together. Um, and then also, you know, you said you went to physical therapy school and you kind of did your plan B before plan A. And, uh, and so that kind of plays into your whole story of becoming a doctor. And so why don't you just start us off with high school? You're here from the Houston area. You were an athlete in high school and then kind of, kind of go from there. Sure. All right. So I grew up in the Cy Fair School District, and I went to Cy Falls High School. I played basketball and ran track for Cy Falls all four years. And I knew getting to junior and senior year, coaches start to ask, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to play sports in college, things like that? Do you want us to start looking for scholarships for you? And I wasn't necessarily interested in playing professional sports. But I did always want to be involved with athletes somehow. I always wanted to be close to to the game or the competition. So I already had a a natural interest in biology and the sciences, and I knew I wanted to be some type of healthcare professional. So it was 11th grade biology class. I remember I was like, well, I'm going to pursue a career in sports medicine so I can combine my desire for sports with my desire for healthcare. And so... From there, one of my mom's friends actually told her about Xavier University of Louisiana, which is the only um, historically black Catholic college in the U.S., and they have a very strong pre-med program. They're number one in the nation for sending black students to medical school. Um, And so someone told my mom, if Angie wants to be a doctor, she needs to go to Xavier. And so to Xavier I went. <laughs> and it was it was a good four years of school. They again they had a strong pre-med program and it was really just kind of following the putting my little ducks in a row, but I still kind of started second guessing myself as far as can I really go to medical school? The medical college admissions test was a little daunting and shocked my confidence a little bit. So I started trying to think of other ways that I could still do sports medicine without going to medical school. So that's when I became interested in physical therapy and went on to go to physical therapy school. And I had my plan in place to work in a sports medicine department in physical therapy, and I enjoyed it. But there were some things, for example, even though this is changing soon, historically you have to have a doctor's prescription to go to the physical therapist and so the doctor has already ruled out certain things basically or identified what the problem is and and it's now just sending the patient for treatment but my curiosity level was like well what did the patient look like when they went to the doctor how did they present what did the doctor have to rule out what did the doctor have to do before they sent him to me and I just had so many questions that couldn't be answered only in the physical therapist realm And so since I already in the back of my mind knew that I hadn't given med school the full try, even though I was working in sports medicine and it was nice, I was like, I think I'm still going to go ahead and apply to med school. So I did at that point. So I I worked 
after PT school, I probably worked, it was a little bit under a year as a physical therapist. And then I. You said, you said a little under a year as a physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. And then you mentioned Xavier was a historically black college that has a really good pre-med program. So it's known for sending uh, black students to med school or onto a medical profession. Mm -hmm. So does that make that harder for you to get into as a black female? Because you get all these young black Americans trying to become doctors, but they know that this is the best program for them. So does that make that harder for you to get into? Well, I, I don't think it w- I think the admissions process is, is similar to other places as far as them, you know, looking at scores, GPA, earlier application will give you an advantage. And so, well, I do agree that obviously there's tons of, of students that are trying to achieve the same goal. I think just preparation and and having those things in place kind of give you an advantage as far as. Okay. Okay, So then um, you said then you went to med school. And so then kind of continue your your journey on until where you are right now, Dr. Angie Curtis. Okay. So I am the first physician in my family. So I would say one of the harder things for me was not having a lot of people to talk to along the way. I didn't because I didn't go straight from Xavier to medical school, I kind of lost contact with some of the Xavier professors that may have been able to serve as better mentors for me. And honestly, as I kind of shied away from pursuing medicine straight out of college, I didn't fully utilize the pre-medical office that, that, that Xavier had as far as, as contacts and just talking to people about their journey. And so I kind of felt like I was out out there by myself a little bit as far as trying to figure all these things out. Um, Black females make up 2% of physicians, so that's another thing. There's just not a lot of people that look like me that I can could ask, especially back then, this was, you know, the internet was just becoming a thing where I could go Google different doctors. It was kind of more on a a word of mouth or who you know type of uh, basis as far as just trying to shadow and things like that and just getting the experience when I was younger and coming up um, I think some of those things are better now as there's groups on Facebook that people can join or or you know just the presence that people are seeing out in the community but that was that was something that was hard for me because whenever I may not have done well on a, a test or, or if I was questioning something I really didn't have a lot of people to bounce things off of and I'm I probably made some decisions that I just didn't necessarily I shouldn't have taken things so hard because I probably thought that, you know, I was the only one that experienced this or, you know, no one else has this struggle and, you know, just trying to figure out things on my own instead of having a lot of resources to kind of help guide me. You mentioned you're the only physician in your family. Is there anybody else in your family um, that is a medical professional? There is one pharmacist in my family. And other than that, so you really were on your own there. All right, so then you mentioned the importance of mentors or how they could have possibly affected you. So who do you have right now as a mentor? So one of my mentors in sports medicine is my program director from my fellowship. I keep in contact with her, and I just really identified with her as being a, a woman in this field. Um, she's not a, a black woman, but just a woman, because this is a male-dominated field in sports medicine. So it was nice to be able to have such close contact with a woman in leadership. So she's definitely someone I keep in touch with. And also one of my 
attendings from residency at UT, she's someone that I, I look to a lot for guidance and advice and kind of navigating the, now that I'm done with all the different levels of training, just the business and the professional and the academic side of medicine. All right, and then what are some of the things that me as a white middle-class male, I wouldn't understand, I wouldn't perceive, I wouldn't, I just, I don't know because I, I don't live that in, you know, where you are. What are some of the things that I can understand from you to help as I educate the future? Well, sometimes I think that there, so some, well, I think that there's things that may be assumed of you that are not assumed of me. For example, even when I was a resident, if I went in with a medical student that was a white male, they would assume he was the doctor and that I was not. Or, you know, they would look to him more for the plan, or even though I'm the, the senior level physician, um, I think there's a different uh, baseline respect, I think, that people have when, when people walk into the room, for, for example. Um, so that's something that, that happens a lot. Or um, sometimes when it comes to, you know, the experiences that people are having, sometimes if someone doesn't understand that person's position, they may think they're being sensitive or they're overreacting without trying to understand where they're coming from. Um, sometimes, and it's not always a race thing, but sometimes it's just a life experience thing where we tend to be like, well, it's not affecting me, it's not my problem type of thing, or um, it's not affecting me, so there's I don't have a, a role in doing anything about it. Um, I don't have... Let's see. So just in general, I, w I would think if you, you know, you come across someone of a different background that may have a something going on, just trying to understand their, their position. I, I know sometimes it's not always, you know, expressed in the best way, but, but just trying to understand where people are. And then what do you feel like are some of the, the specific struggles that you have had to overcome in becoming Dr. Angie Curtis? Um... I think, well, thankfully, I, I did have a very supportive undergraduate institution. I do know people that did not go to, you know, historically black colleges, per se, that did not have such a great experience. They were often tried, people often tried, even their mentors or counselors tried to convince them to go into other professions and, you know, just saying things like, you know, there's not a lot of people like you that do this, are you sure, those types of things. Um, and like I said, that wasn't my personal experience, but I know plenty of people who, who did have that experience. Um, but I think with me, my biggest struggle, like I said, was not, was not having the people going through that could kind of help me. And if I didn't do well on a test, they could be like, it's okay. Most people end up, you know, having to do this the, for example, the entrance test into medical school, a lot of people end up taking that test more than once. And I didn't know that. And as, you know, an up-and-coming student who usually scores well, has no academic issues, being, you know, that late in life and, you know, not doing well on something, it was it was very, it was a, a rock to my, a shock to my confidence. And that was part of the reason why I did pursue an alternate route. But then I later realized a lot of people retake this test, sometimes even more than twice. It's really not in the grand scheme of things a big deal um, and so just kind of having a support system that could have talked about failures as well as successes 
would have would have been more helpful for me but I just kind of took all of my my L's and in silence and by myself and and um and tried to work through things alone a lot and and that's not helpful (laughs) do you think it would have changed the outcome or changed who you are today as a physician if you'd had somebody there with you to share those experiences with to, to you know answer your questions I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, of course, things work out how they should. And like I shared with you earlier in the hallway, even though uh, physical therapy school wasn't in my initial plan for my life, it I couldn't even imagine being a sports medicine doctor without that extra background training at this point, because uh, the, you know, just the emphasis on anatomy and kinesiology and things like that, that I learned in physical therapy school is not as heavily stressed in, in medical school. And you know, the options I had for learning about those things in medicine were were more so elective instead of just core curriculum, because in medicine, the emphasis is on, you know, what's going to kill you, whether it's it's organ failure or an infection or, you know, a disease process. And, you know, it's there's less emphasis on sprains and strains and and tears. But when you get out into the community, of course, all these kids are are playing sports, they're getting hurt. And there's, you know, there's just a a big need for this information and someone that can take care of these patients. So it it was all a blessing in disguise, I think. Um, But I, I do think that just with my attempts to get into med school, attempts to get into fellowship, they could have happened sooner and um, they, they could have happened sooner and and I would have not taken things so personally or so hard if, if, if I would have had people that could have kind of told me their story or told me um, their successes and failures along the way so that I wouldn't have thought everything was just my me doing something wrong. So I just hired a new coworker at, at, so she's a young athletic trainer. She's a young Hispanic mm-hmm. athletic trainer. And so what are some of the things that, that you feel like I can do to help, help her or help prevent those things uh, from happening to her? Um, you know, just, I mean, we are at a, like a 95% Hispanic school. And so, you know, she looks like the kids and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so it's a little different situation, but. I think just kind of getting to to know her and kind of learning what's different about her versus you culturally or, um, you know, that's one of the things in, in med school that we learn, like the the priorities and the emphasis that different cultures have on, on different things. Some have a higher priority on family. Some have a higher priority on, you know, grades and performance and status and, you know, just different things like that. Just kind of learning the whole person instead of just the, the role they may have at work just kind of helps you to, to see all sides of someone. And so I think that could be helpful. And so then, again, if, if things, if there's an issue that arises, then they don't kind of get categorized in one particular way just because there may be something that's different or you don't understand about them. <laughs> All right. So uh, last question uh, right along those same lines is um, to increase my cultural competency about you or, um, you know, or about African-American people. How, what would you suggest? Um, so, I mean, if you're curious about anything, you know, definitely ask. I think sometimes uh, sometimes people are so worried about being offensive or saying the wrong thing that they don't say anything at all. But, but just general curiosities that you may have about 
different things we may say or do differently or different holidays that we celebrate and and you may not know or understand the importance or significance of them um you know just start a conversation and go from there um and i think that that makes you just more of a real world person and it doesn't make you seem as if you know there's a agenda behind it or it's only happening at a certain time of year for a certain reason but you know just like you would strike up a conversation with with um with anyone else I think I think that's helpful yeah I think one thing I found with talking with my wife is sometimes I'll say hey I need to ask you something and so like she knows that that could be something that's offensive because I'm not the greatest with words so if I was to say uh, hey Dr. Curtis I, I gotta ask you something and then you're you're kind of like prepared exactly. for the worst but you you know you're able to and answer you, you know the person means well and they're just trying to get an understanding and you know like I was also saying I think sometimes conversations are had about what needs to be done but they're all within our own communities instead of crossing communities and, and cultures and genders and races to to have these discussions and so it has to come across the the table and and that's the perfect way to do it just be like I, I'm wanted to ask something and I don't mean to offend you I'm just genuinely want to know and and if someone someone should not take that in any type of negative right and just recently I was talking with one of our coaches he's a young black guy uh and he said he was in Kansas and he's like you know when I was in Kansas like to be black you're just a human like here Mm -hmm. you know you you can't get noticed and especially in in the area where we work is you're either white or hispanic and so you really stick out and he's like you know and when i was in kansas you were just i was just human and for me i was like i've never like i've never thought you know not be treated like a human and so it's it's just something that like i don't know if i just can't get out of my head like it's it's so different to think that people are not treated like yeah i mean so unfortunately you know the media doesn't always give the best representations of of different types of of people and and so if some people don't have interactions with those people in their everyday life they're going off of of those things and that you know can create a, a negative encounter because then people pick up on their being treated or viewed differently and then it just can go way left somewhere but but no it definitely happens I mean no one ever assumes I'm a physician I'm used to it um it could be because I'm female it could be because I'm I'm black it could be I don't know, but you, you know, other, I yeah. do notice that you know it doesn't always happen with other people as much. So you know, it's always in the back of my head. But at the at the end of the day, you know, it's something that happens. I'm aware of it, and I can't let it affect me day to day. All right, so this is going to be sportsmedicinebroadcast.com/slash/becoming-dr.curtis. <laughs> So it would be sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash becoming Dr. Curtis. I thank you so much for just sharing your story, for being willing to to change the topic and talk about something that is very vulnerable. Uh, and then, like you said, cross on those lines. So any any last thoughts uh, that you would like to share or uh, a way to get a hold of you if someone wants to kind of continue the conversation? Sure. Um, I can be reached at my email address, angie.l.curtis at uth dot tmc dot edu that's the easiest way to contact me i work in more than one clinic so trying to call different offices may not be the best way but i'm happy to answer any questions or definitely continue the conversation it's definitely one that that's just getting started and and there's there's much more to come in that so i'll have her email in the show notes at sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash becoming and then doctor I'll spell it out Curtis and then I'll probably also have it DR just in case you can't remember that but also it'll be becoming Dr. Curtis so um, again thanks so much for sharing your story and for sharing your knowledge with us here as athletic trainers so thank you welcome thank you